welcome back everybody we are a little bit late it's late tonight and i have made sure i selected the right microphone this time because we are only recording once tonight we're not re-recording again uh so i'm olivia and this is quirky creepy and freaky the podcast where i tell you about wonky animal facts today we don't have quite so much wonkiness as we've had, especially last week with our worms with very large jaws, but we're back with birds for a little bit for a decades-long recovery story and one of the longest and most successful conservation efforts, especially for birds, but potentially ever. We have the story of the red kite, and yes, that is a bird, not the kite that is like on a string and you run around with, but I guess if you really wanted one, you could probably get a kite of a red kite and then it'd be like a red kite kite. Populations in mainland Europe have been pretty secure, but by the early 1900s, the Irish, British, and Scottish populations of the red kite had gone extinct. And at that point too, the population in Wells was very close to going along with them. So let's talk about it. So first of all, who is the red kite? As I mentioned, this is a bird, not the kite that you fly around outside. I guess they do still fly around outside, but you know. They are a bird prey in the accipiter family, which also includes eagles and harriers. So that means that the red kite is actually fairly closely related to our sea eagle friend that we talked about the other week. Red kites are aptly named They have a reddish-brown body, and their angled wings and forked tail is going to help them be a nice and aerodynamic and efficient hunter. And with that, they are mostly scavengers. They do enjoy eating their carrion, their dead stuff. But they do also go after small mammals like rabbits. But um, funnily enough, they do also enjoy worms, which, much like the sea eagle, this is another large bird of prey that I am surprised is like, hmm, earthworms. So historically, the red kite ranged all through Europe, east to Ukraine, north to southern Sweden and the UK, and then Italy to the south. Not all birds migrate, but some of the birds at the northern ends of the range, so like the uh, Swedish birds and maybe some of the UK birds, might move away from their usual breeding areas, sometimes just shifting a bit to the west, but they may also move south to Turkey, Tunisia, and possibly even Algeria. And Germany, France, and Spain have the three largest populations of the red kite, and over time these populations have remained relatively stable. However, in the 90s, for reasons that I did not see in any of my sources, These populations experienced a decline that resulted in a 20% decline in the overall species numbers just from the decline in those three populations. Since then, though, the populations have remained fairly stable, and as far as I could find, there have not been more little dips like that. The UK and Irish populations were less lucky, though. These populations experienced multiple centuries of persecution, resulting in these populations disappearing entirely. These birds didn't always have a bad rep, and actually in the medieval times, these birds were very well respected and protected socially at least. Since the red kites are scavengers and enjoy eating dead things, 
they were kind of considered the street cleaners of the time, so they'd keep the streets clean and clear of any sort of dead critters. Over time, opinions started to change, and by the mid-1500s, bounties were being rewarded in both Scotland and England for the red kite, as they started to become considered a nuisance animal. They started having a habit of, or they had the habit of stealing things from people, and Shakespeare even referenced them uh, stealing clothes from clotheslines, and I would assume that this would be, or that they would be stealing the clothes to use to help pad their nests, but not really sure what they would be doing with that there. People also, over time, became concerned about their livestock and that the kite would target their young cows or their young sheep. So they were being hunted to help protect their livestock and apparently their clothes. As numbers declined and they became more and more rare, they were also targeted by egg collectors. The Victorian era was one that saw many peculiar sounding pastimes, and much like people having bug collections now, people then began collecting eggs. And of course, the rarer the bird, the more valuable the egg to collect. The bird themselves was also collected occasionally because if you're going to collect the eggs, of course, you might as well taxidermy the bird as well. Oddities cabinets were quite the thing around that time, all the rage. So between collections for oddities cabinets, the act of hunting, poisoning, both accidental and intentional, by the mid-1800s, the red, the red kite was extinct in England, Scotland, and Ireland. All that remained in the UK was a small population in Wales. And this population was so small that when DNA, con when DNA studies were later conducted on this group of birds, they found out that in the early 1900s, maybe even all the way to the 1930s, the population only had one breeding female. So there was a period in time where the Welsh population was literally one accidental poisoning, one kill, one stolen egg away from also being extinct. So what finally turned this around was a group of naturalists concerned enough about the decline and survival of the population that they formed a committee. In 1903, they formed the Kite Committee and began nest monitoring programs to find, keep an eye on, and protect nests in whales, which is going to help keep uh, people like egg collectors, people who are robbing the nests, away from the red kites. And then in 1905, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, the RSPB, became involved and helped to ramp up protection measures. Since the bird was so rare, even still in this time it was a target for egg collectors, by the 1950s and 60s, nest protections increased, and apparently egg collections were still happening then, but because of the protections, it was no longer considered a significant problem for the red kite population. Kites being able to keep their eggs and therefore more successfully breed definitely would have helped the species recover, but keep in mind they're scavengers. So when people would put out poison, even if they weren't intending to poison the kites, if the kite eats something intended for another predator, or if it even finds a small rodent that died from being poisoned, it would kill the kites, and that's a fate that's uh, fairly common amongst other birds of prey. Between this and not enough quality habitat connecting the population in Wales to habitat in England, 
conservationists realized that the red kite population would not be able to grow and spread out of Wales on its own. Thus, it was decided to propose a reintroduction program, taking birds from other stronger populations to areas in the UK and Ireland where red kites used to exist, so this is going to bring them back without fully relying on the population in Wales to just grow and spread on their own. For a reintroduction program to move forward, the IUCN, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature, who is more well known for their red list of endangered species, but as the name says, they're um, a group for conserving nature, so they have all sorts of criteria for different things. And one of those is a checklist of different points you need to meet in order to start a reintroduction program for any particular animal. So what you need, you need one, an existing historical evidence of former natural occurrence, check. Two, a clear understanding of why the species disappeared. And in this one, reintroduction is only going to be considered if the disappearance was due to human actions and it wouldn't be possible for the bird or any species to recolonize naturally. So essentially, if it went extinct for some natural reason, like a disease or the climate changed or different predators in the area, then it would be a no-go. But since the red kite went extinct because of humans, check. And three factors causing the extinction were resolved, eh, mostly check. Four, suitable habitat was still present and capable of supporting a population, check. Five, individuals that are intended to be released are genetically as close as possible to the former population. And I'm sure there is some mixing between the populations, but especially since we still had those birds in Wales, we get another check here. And then finally, number six, removing individuals for the uh, project won't jeopardize the survival of the source populations. We have those really big ones in Germany, France, and Spain, so big check here. The red kite is one of the few animals that has completely and fully checked off every single one of those criteria. So in the 80s and 90s, the RSPB and the Joint Nature Conservation Committee initiated a reintroduction program in Scotland and England. In 1989, the six birds or six birds from Sweden were introduced in Scotland and then four Swedish and one Welsh birds were released in England. With the introductions, the first six or with success with successive introductions, the first successful breeding in decades and potentially in over a hundred years was recorded in this area in 1992. Reintroductions continued through um, continued in Scotland and England through the 90s and early 2000s, with the last record I saw in the area being 2001. The reintroductions in Ireland started a little bit later um, and are a tad bit more recent. They started with the, um, the Golden Eagle Trust, the National Parks and Wildlife Service, and Welsh Kite Trust worked together to reintroduce the red kites in three sites in Ireland between 2007 and 2011, beginning with counties Wicklow, Dublin, and Down. Red kites in the UK at this point had started to spread away from reintroduction sites which for them benefits from a bit more time, but even at this point in Ireland, the population is really 
uh, sticking to the east coast near the reintroduction sites. But there was, there was some exciting news in Ireland with the red kites. In 2011, red kites were introduced to a fourth site in Finnegal. And excitingly, in 2016, there was a record of a red kite uh, breeding pair in Finnegal, which would have been the first time red kites bred there since the 1800s, which could possibly mean that it had been over 150 years since red kites existed and bred in that area. So that is quite the recovery there. So despite being extinct in the 1800s, through what is now over 100, hundreds of years of nest protections, conservation efforts, and reintroduction programs, the Irish and UK populations of the red kite are on the rebound. Kites in Ireland do still have a way to grow and spread, but in the UK, we know that there are 4,400 breeding pairs known, and since that's the breeding pair numbers, we know that there are many more birds than that. There are also enough red kites that we can get some articles from England that say things like this one from The Guardian that starts off with, once close to extinction, the red kite population of Oxfordshire is now in fine fettle, with birds reportedly preying upon local residents and stealing sausage rolls. There are also some reports from the same article of red kite stealing ice cream, smoked mackerel from someone eating a salad in their garden, even steaks being stolen off of barbecues. And this is much like why people shouldn't feed gulls. This is a prime example of why you really shouldn't feed wildlife with the intent of luring them in for pictures, which is what they think happened with the kites. People wanted to get pictures of them. People were like, hey, I'll throw you this chicken. And then the red kite is like, yes, free chicken, and then they get a picture. And if you uh, do that consistently enough, it will encourage them to come closer and closer to people and steal your sausage rolls. Of course, there are still some struggles that the red kite faces. While egg collection is no longer a problem, or at least a major problem, it's not something that is really uh, talked about as a thing that people collect anymore. Like many birds of prey, Poisoning is a problem both illegally and people targeting other animals. Like if they uh, have a mouse problem, they might be poisoning the mice. Or if there are some other predators in the area they want to get rid of, they might be, um, the red kite could just be a casualty there. And there is also some poaching as well. Well, it's more just illegal shooting because people are concerned for their livestock. However, there are several groups working to change people's opinions about the red kite. So with the, that, the goal is to help people feel less concerned for their sheep and to discourage people from using poison for animal control. Hopefully, with these efforts and consistent protections for the red kite, populations will continue to grow and maybe we will have them once again living throughout Ireland as they used to. Thank you for listening and hearing about the red kites. And this one was a request from a listener, specifically my sister. So if you also have a request of an animal that you would like me to talk about, you can feel free to shoot me an email at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com. And once again, I haven't fully settled on an episode topic for last time, so we'll see what I end up talking about. But if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your friends, 
They can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Podbean, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe so you can hopefully be notified of future episodes on some of the apps that seems to be a little wonky sometimes. But you can also leave us a a review, and those are all great ways to support the podcast and help new people find us. If you are on Facebook or Instagram, be sure to give us a follow at Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky on Facebook and Quirky, Creepy, Freaky Pod on Instagram, and this will get you all of the pictures and updates about the podcast. Thanks to my sister, Kaylee Strait, for creating the theme music for my podcast, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.